Welcome to the Capital Insight Podcast with Jenny Casson and Michelle Timish, two capital raising experts on a mission to demystify and equify the world of investment for entrepreneurs and investors alike. Listen in as they sit down with fundraising veterans and share with you the success stories and cautionary tales of outside the box capital raising. This is Capital Insight. Hi, this is Jenny Casson, and I'm here with my colleague, Michelle Timish. And today we're interviewing a wonderful investor named Kristen Hull. And Kristen has been investing in lots of different ways for many, many years. She actually, you know, from a young age has been involved in the world of finance. So Kristen, tell us about your background and, you know, how you got into the world of finance and how you came to invest in both small business and the public markets and what you're doing now. Thank you, Jenny. And thank you, Michelle, for having me on this podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation today and particularly in March as we move through uh, women's history and make women's history in investing. So I'm excited to be here. And so I'll just tell you a little bit about how I got started because it's not a traditional um, way to enter finance. And, and it's an interesting one, I'd say. So, so my dad started a trading firm in uh, my garage when I was growing up. And so from the age of 14, I really have been immersed in what was high frequency trading. So puts, calls, um, pork bellies, options, commodities, futures, and really was so involved in that company for, for quite a long time and yet really wanted to make a difference. And so for my formal education, I pursued uh, education actually and was a classroom teacher for many years. And so my becoming an impact investor um, in 2007, really before we had a, a term for it and really before we had female colleagues, um, that that is just a my bringing all of my worlds together and being able to direct capital toward the economy that we need to see and have it be sustainable and inclusive. And so, of course, getting money to um, women and people of color led organizations. Wow. Fantastic. And I know that you've been just an amazing supporter of women entrepreneurs, women of color. What is your process for evaluating an investment opportunity, whether that's in the private or public marketplace? Oh, thank you for asking that. So we really use a similar process for all of our companies because we're really looking to invest at the intersection of environmental sustainability and social justice. And where those two things meet um, is kind of a sweet spot for us. And so on the publicly traded side, we're using all of the due diligence methods that we use on the private side. And so really looking first at what is a product or service. And is it needed for our economy? And is it going to play, is this business or these products or service going to play a crucial role in getting us to the next just and sustainable and inclusive economy? And in that case, we're excited to take a step further. We of course want to see women in leadership. And so really important for us, uh, founders in particular. And then, um, then this is where it depends on the size of the company, because sometimes uh, what we've definitely found is that women and particularly women of color have a really 
challenging time getting that first check. And of course, we know for all the reasons women of color don't have access to the pipelines and particularly friends and family money. So if Nia can come in and be a first check for that first idea so that they can say, wow, we have an investor now and take that to another investor, we like to be that catalytic to get uh, women started and on their journey. Well, we have definitely seen you in action with that. You have been so supportive of me and my clients over the years, and we so appreciate that. And so I'm just wondering, you know, you've been doing this for so long. Is there a story of a particular entrepreneur that sticks out for you who did a really great job of getting you excited about investing in their business? And, you know, what what lessons could come from what that entrepreneur did to, that might help other entrepreneurs learn how to how to really be compelling for a potential investor? Oh, great. Well, so I would say, you know, one, the job of the entrepreneur, you know, most of us have this idea for a product or service, and we're really excited because we've identified a place in the market that is missing, you know, or something that really will help uh, be catalytic in the change that we need to see. And so, we, we usually are focused on that product or service, and yet the entrepreneur has to play all of these roles, right? And so they have to be super personable, and they have to be articulate and concise with their ideas. And then they also have to have this deck. And though, of course, I will certainly talk to people before they have a deck um, and maybe even talk through those ideas. I would say women in particular, um, you know, have that, have to be able to connect with investors, right? And so when they sit down to have that conversation, I would, for most uh, women entrepreneurs, I would definitely, um, I guess, just offer this up that really own that what you are doing is a gift and that it is a contribution. And it's actually an invitation to investors as opposed to an ask. So inviting investors into this journey and where you're actually as the as the entrepreneur is really doing the heavy lift and the hard work and the investor gets to partake in that journey and that change and whatever this business is going to grow into by writing that check. So just so just that mindset um, can be really important. And then at the same time, holding that with the idea that in talking to an investor, you're going to want to listen and listen to what's important to that investor and then maybe be flexible. And, you know, oftentimes we do have our ideas about how this business will run. And yet, as both of you know well, inviting in that investor that can be more than the check, that could be an advisor or who might open up their, back in the day it was called a Rolodex, now we call it contacts, I guess, to other potential investors. So both being able to really share what you're up to and getting us so excited about it. And yet it's that connection point about also being able to listen and be excited about what that investor is excited about. Um, and when that connection is made and it's solid, I really do see that it's more than one plus one is you know much more than two. It, it can be a dynamic and, and interesting relationship. We'd love to hear kind of stories to kind of illustrate that point, if you can think of one. Absolutely. So Jenny, you, you two are a perfect example because Jenny, I think we've been investing with you in one form or another over the years and now in some of your clients. And so staying connected, um, getting really excited, and then also being really honest about what's happening, you know, because not every journey goes perfectly. And so that's been, you know, really, really um, nice. I would say one Gen DC, 
you know, that, that organization with, um, um, geek girls tech is she's been so willing to educate because she's actually in an area where many of us don't have a level of expertise and where she really is leading the way. And I would say that's probably true for most of our entrepreneurs. And yet, um, particularly when it comes to cybersecurity, um, she's been really fabulous, as is um, a newer investee for us is um, Kai Norty of Kube Nice Cream, which is a coconut-based ice cream. And she has been um, someone who's been really strong in her convictions about the importance of plant-based um, and lactose-free uh, dessert product. She also has been willing to pivot, been willing to listen, and been willing to accept others' ideas as she grows. And so I would say she's a fantastic entrepreneur in that, in that mindset. Those are really great examples, both both doing things to make their way and make investments. Like what role do you like to play? Um, are you open to uh, sort of hands-off? Do you prefer hands-on? What's your preference when you evaluate an investment opportunity? Well, so I'm not necessarily looking for a board seat. So in that sense, I'm definitely hands off. Maybe as Nia grows and we have more capacity, I would only want a board seat if we really are, have the time and the expertise to be really additive to. And so it'll depend on the industry. It'll depend on the stage of the company. Uh, so we're not looking and we haven't taken well, actually, that's not true. We've been asked to serve on a couple of boards o over the years and Oftentimes, actually, that, that as I as I think through this, it's been um, teams that were not diverse enough, and I was asked to come in to help diversify and help attract, um, and help them attract and really get the company ready to be more diverse, so that um, women and people of color would feel not only strong um, but really attracted to working at at those types of firms. So sometimes we do have the expertise and can step in, you know, and help with that. Um, I don't want to be completely hands off because entrepreneurs need an ear to listen to. They need, you know, not everything goes well. Even on the days where things go really, really well, it's been a long day. You know, entrepreneurs put in really long days. So I definitely want to be that investor who can listen both to the good and the bad and then offer up suggestions or even just be a sounding board when, um, when it's time to pivot, when it's time to grow, when it's time to lay someone off, even if we really hoped that hire and, you know, we've spent so much time on that hiring process and it wasn't the right fit you know, how, how to do that and, and remain with integrity in your company. And so um, as involved as I can be, we're here to help. Awesome. So when it comes to investing in private companies, there's many, many different ways to invest. And of course, what we really advocate is not using cookie cutter off the shelf documents. So we love to ask investors, you know, how do you, what kinds of investments do you make in the entrepreneurs you invest in and how does that get decided? So we're not the typical investor. We're really looking for a term sheet that really benefits the entrepreneur. And so, um, and as you mentioned, not a cookie cutter. Um, and we also want to see the impact baked right in to the term sheet. And that often happens because generally the product or service that is part of the business, that is their impact. You know, that generally is. And yet to have a few sentences just to really make sure we're all in alignment from 
from day one um, and from that term sheet feels really important. Um, I don't necessarily need to have any more equity in companies. And so looking at revenue shares is a really interesting idea to me. And then just making sure that it's not too off balance because, um, you know, the entrepreneur does need to be able to drive and, and, and make decisions. And so needs to have some, you know, definite ownership there. And then, because when we do get into difficulty sometimes or something happens, you know, to have the term sheet set up well so that we can flow through those decision-making processes is important. That's great. And I love all of the encouragement that you give in particular to women entrepreneurs to really embrace what they're doing. And along those lines and, and conversations with investors, are there any last insights that you would give to entrepreneurs uh, who are looking for those direct investments into their conversations with, with those investors, any tips or insights that you could provide for them? Um, sometimes it's good to do these conversations in a round and in a group. And, and of course you need to read your audience and see, see what, what works best. Sometimes having a couple of investors do a call together, you know, if they're open to it and, or a couple of entrepreneurs do a pitch together has, but there are certain synergies that can happen. And then questions that get asked of one can apply to others. And so sometimes mixing it up, uh, just so be re being really open about what the format is and how that happens can be important. And then, um, again, I would say being really clear in both what you know, and then also what you don't know, right? So, of course, we as investors want to know that you really have thought about what this market is, and what niche you're going to play, or what part you're going to play in this market. And then, probably, this is a product or service that is innovative, and maybe doesn't exist yet, um, or it's better than what does exist. And so then that total available market will be dynamic. And you may actually, as the entrepreneur, be creating a new market um, by a disruption that's happening. And so being able to really share what you're predicting could happen. And then also knowing that the future is unknown for all of us. So laying out a really best case and then also being open to, um, you know, possible scenarios. You know, this is plan B, this is plan A, this is how we think it'll go this is how we really anticipate it will go. And if it doesn't go like this, just being really open to thinking through uh, different pathways to success. Well, thank you so much. That was incredibly helpful. Um, we will share links to your current company because I think people will want to hear more about it. And um, any last comments you'd like to make or advice you'd like to give for entrepreneurs or even investors, other investors that might want to follow in your path and, and make some of the kinds of investments you've been making in, in women-led um, small businesses? Well, I would say the time is now. You know, the, the world needs investors to step up uh, and we definitely get the economy that we invest into. And so it's time, particularly for female investors and yet all of us to step back and say, you know, do we need all of our money on Wall Street? And is that where the, you know, is that the world I want to live in? Or can I move some of this to some of my smaller and local um, local led companies? And then um, of course, you know, what you um, both of you do is to make it so easy for investors. And so to have crowdfund Main Street available um, where we can invest at low minimums um, is really exciting. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Do you have any questions for our securities lawyers and capital raising experts? Call the podcast hotline and leave us a message at 866-552-7726, extension 5. You can also send other inquiries to podcast at jennycasson.com. We'd love to hear from you. Music for the Capital Inside podcast is still searching by Damon Criswell via Audio Hero. Thank you for listening to Capital Insight with Jenny Casson and Michelle Timish. Until next time.